Hi everybody, welcome to Your Quality of Life Healthy Alternative. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and I'm extremely pleased to be today with Becca Ribbon. Becca is the author of The Clarity Journal and has been a coach for over a decade. She's on a mission to help people break out of the cycles of uncertainty and struggle that holds them back. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Becca. How did you get to do the things that you're doing now? Oh, that's a really great question and kind of a funny story. I, you know, I think a lot of times when we discover our loves, it's usually from a, a place of uncertainty. And so I, a long time ago, um, was in my mid-20s, gotten out of college and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. What I thought I wanted to do was completely not what I, not really bringing me joy. And so what did you think I went, you wanted to do. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> I really thought I wanted to work for the CIA. Cool. I thought it'd be really cool to, I, I I'm an avid reader. And so I thought it'd be really cool to work um, for the CIA you know, reading newspapers and everything and writing um, reports about what I'm reading. I never actually did do that, uh, but I ended up working at the, in the federal government and not really enjoying it. And then I was doing a lot of soul searching, a lot of reading, a lot of, let's see, like what color is your parachute was really popular at the time and taking my Myers-Briggs tests and all of, you know, all of that stuff that you do, like to try to figure out what you want. And in the process of doing that, I had a lot of friends who were going through the same thing, going back and forth about what they wanted to do, really didn't like the job that they ended up with out of college, or maybe they liked it okay, but it just wasn't as good as they thought it was, or they were deciding whether or not to go back to grad school. And so I ended up helping a lot of my friends through their transitions. And as I did that more and more, I realized I was actually a really good coach. And <laughs> so that's what I ended up doing. I chucked it all and did coaching school. And I've been doing that for over a decade now. Awesome. So yeah. talk about what you're doing exactly. So for a while now, I have specialized in helping people make difficult job transitions. And so when, I, when you're going through a difficult job transition, it's usually because you're unemployed or because you're in one industry and want to switch to another, or you just really don't know what you want to do. And as I was, you know, getting deeper and deeper and deeper into coaching, you know, we grow and we change. And after my second child was born, I kind of went through my own transition of what do I want this to look with look like now that I have two kids and don't have as much time. And it was really funny because I was talking with one of my friends and doing that thing that we, a lot of women do, overanalyzing, overthinking, trying to find that perfect answer. And my friend stopped me and she was like, Becca, you've been a coach for so long. How would you help someone through this? And it was a very annoying question. You know, the those are the best. <laughs> those are the best. The deep questions where you're like, oh, right. I am going back and forth and I do know how to do this. So I got off that call with her 
and I went and wrote down all of the prompts that I could think of that I had used with my clients to help them kind of jar loose their thinking and they're going through the decision fatigue of figuring out what they were going to do. And as I was doing that and then going through and answering those questions for myself, I realized that it was super powerful just to have those questions laid out in front of you. And I ended up making it into a book. Um, awesome. It's right here. The Clarity yeah, Journal. Clarity. Show it again. It's oh, show, it, show it longer. <laughs> you want a clear picture? <laughs> awesome. It looks great. What is in it? What is it? So it is a hundred writing prompts and quotes that are meant to kind of inspire you to figure out what it is you want to do. I find so often when someone is stuck and they say that they don't know what they want to do, they're usually actually deciding between a couple different choices. And so it's really designed to help you get it all out on paper, both what the decisions are that you need to make, but also what your strengths are, what makes you happy, and really look at the whole big picture uh, so that you can move forward stronger and be a little more comfortable. We often talk about perfectionism and you know, perfect being the enemy of the good. That's really easy to tell our friends and it's very hard to do for ourselves. And I think that getting it all out on paper helps you be more and more comfortable with the fact that whatever you decide on is probably only 80% right. There's like a little wiggle room there. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> um, I liken it to, I live in Seattle and in Seattle we have all these amazing neighborhoods. Each neighborhood has a very distinct feel. And sometimes I'll run into people who are like, I don't know where to live. Like this has, it has this neighborhood has this and then this neighborhood has water. And when you're trying to decide where to live, like you don't expect it to be perfect, right? Like, you know that there's gonna be pros and cons. When we try to decide what we're gonna do with our lives, there's gonna be pros and cons. And it's just getting really comfortable with that. And I think if we stay in our head, if we stay in that, like spinning our wheels and going back and forth, we stay stuck because we aren't getting, we aren't seeing, we aren't allow, our brain can't allow ourselves to see the big picture that way. But when we start getting it out on paper, it, our brain has more opportunity to be expansive and really help us get out of our own way. Especially when we write by hand, it's such a difference. As a brain scientist, I know all about the brain-hand connection. And I'm right. so upset that we don't even teach it in school anymore. Right. Writing is out of school. That's terrible. I know. Yeah. So mm. getting it into an actual, I mean, this is a journal. It's a physical journal. So if you and have children, teach them to write by hand. Please. Right. Yeah. We're actually and working get them on the clarity journal when they're old enough to fill it out. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I just I really love that process of helping people move from being stuck to unstuck. I think growing up, I spent a lot of time watching the adults around me not with jobs. The Zoom is and my family, it just bit, seems like but... everyone always complained of their job. And it, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's just, um, is it still freezing up? Freezes. Oh, okay. Well, what I was going to say is 
I find that some, I, like when I was growing up, a lot of people in my life would just constantly complain about their jobs. I mean, until the day they retired, they were complaining about their jobs. And it really, I think, impacted me um, because I just couldn't fathom the idea of spending 40 years doing something 40 hours a week at a minimum that I was just going to go home and complain about. And so I think that that's really what started this whole love in the first place is helping people avoid that, you know, and it's really powerful to move to something that makes you a little bit happier. And then maybe the next time you move someplace, I mean, it's not necessarily a one and done thing. It's more of an arc, but being able to get yourself on a path that is going to be more satisfying is just so powerful. That is extremely powerful. And many people, when they pass their 30s or 40s, like I did, you are still too young to know that. <coughs> then uh, they realize that it's not all about making lots of money. Right. This is an important part because you can impact more people if you have more money. But there's other things in life. And does your clarity journal give them clarity about that part? I think so. I think that people have, everyone's on a continuum of how, how they value money. And I think that the more that you get comfortable with the idea that you are making the right decision, the easier it is to let go of the iron grip on how much money you need to make. Mm. You know, does that make sense? Absolutely, because there's not a fixed amount really that you need to be happy because people right. that have no money are happier than the people that have tons of money. Very much so. Yeah, we, um, I think that a lot of times we're, we are using that money to replace mm. what makes us happy, what actually would make us deeply happy. It's easy to focus on the car or the house or, you know, the pants from, you know, just like all of the different things that you could want. I think sometimes we focus on that because we know how to obtain it and it's easier to obtain. And so our brain can, can noodle on that sure. instead of going through and figuring out the deeper, the deeper problems. Now, why do you think so many people are burned out nowadays? I mean, I think that, let's face it, the work environment can be really toxic. Um, we have a lot of companies right now that are laying off people and trying to make one person do the job of what had been three people. And I think that often we also stay too long. We have, when we're in school, you know, when you're in school, you have to be in that class for a year. If you hate the teacher, if you like the teacher, it doesn't matter. And so from age five, we are taught, hey, you have this class, you have basically a dictator running your life in the form of a teacher. And sometimes that teacher is awesome. I'm not knocking teachers, but we've all had the teacher that did not work for us. Absolutely. And we've all also probably experienced, maybe the teacher's great, but the kids, like you have one bully in that class and mm. all of a sudden the class is just awful, regardless of whether the teacher is good. Kind of right to have a bully in class it really is and so we have one bad apple infects the others exactly 
So we're, we're trained to stick with it and sticking with it, it can be, persistence can be a great quality, but only if the persistence is in a direction that you really want to go in. Um, when we talk about persistence, we often talk about persistence for everything, but persistence isn't necessarily a good thing if you're being persistent in a direction that you don't want to be in the first place. That is very true. That is a and, good, very good point. Thank you. Yeah. So I think that we get stuck in it because let's face it, job searching isn't any fun. And we hope that something external will change in our job. But let me ask you, for example, when somebody chooses nursing because they mm -hmm. love the job, it makes good money, it goes a good thing. Why do those our doctors, they get burned out like the droves? Why do those people get burned out when they really, truly love most of their job? Well, I would, have talked to enough nurses and doctors to suggest that like it's really hard work. Um, they are they are definitely in a position of having to do more and more with less and less, especially over this last year. And so it, they hard. may love they may love what they do, but if the work environment is not conducive to actually doing what you love, I. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of nurses talk about how what they love is working with the patients. And now they've gone from having a caseload of five patients at a time to a caseload of 10 patients at a time. And so then all the patients, I mean, patients are usually cranky anyway. You know, if you're in the hospital, you're Most not them, feeling yeah. well. <laughs> Most do not feel well or they wouldn't be there. Yeah, you're right. right. It's very stressful for those nurses and doctors too. Maybe that plays right. a role too. Well, and I think also something else that we really ought to keep in mind is a lot of nurses, a lot of a lot of staff at the hospitals are people of color, and also, I mean, there's racism. There's a, there's a lot of different factors that can go in that can make it really exhausting to have to deal with that population, even That's if you really sure. want to help them. Wow. Now, what do you recommend somebody that feels stressed out, frustrated, burned out, doesn't like their job and doesn't really want to persevere do? I really, I think that we as a society have really focused on telling, especially women, hey, self-care, you need self-care, you need self-care, you need to like go have a glass of wine, you need to go take a bubble bath, here, have a box of chocolates. <laughs> and I think that that's just a band-aid. We are training ourselves, training through society that our problems aren't really problems. All they need is this little, like little band-aid, like little two-hour happiness pill. Yeah, take the happiness, exactly. Take the happiness pill and you'll be happy. And that doesn't fix what's structurally wrong in our in our lives. And it's just never going to. And I think we've talked so much about self-care at this point that we start to believe it ourselves. We start to believe that the green smoothie and the like 45 minute run is really going to counteract all of the other stressors in our lives. And we try to push away those stressors. We try to, you know, we try to not feel the stress. And when we try to not feel the stress, we're usually trying to ignore it. And so I think that one of the things that I really often work with on, with my clients is being, is noticing what is really stressing you out. Because sometimes we also think it's one thing, 
And then if we really dig in and start really like analyzing what is going on, there's usually triggers that we're not even totally aware of. Mm, that is so true. So what do you think does, what does genuine self-care really look like or what should it look like? I think genuine self-care looks like putting yourself first. Like it's okay. Even if your boss is going to be screwed, if you leave, it's okay to put yourself first. You don't actually owe it to anybody to be unhappy where you are. You owe it to yourself to start moving forward in a way that's going to make you happier. And you owe it to yourself to do the, the exploration of what it is that is going to bring you a little bit more peace and a little bit more joy and, and not in pill form, <laughs> you know, not in happiness. There, there, there's a caveat in that because that's nice advice. But if you know the boss will fire you when you do that and you have two small mouths to feed and for the moment, no alternative, that's really not an option. Oh, no, I mean, like, I've actually run into a lot of people who keep telling me, oh, I'm going to start job searching in two months because then this project will be over and I won't be hurting my boss. I'm more talking about that. I'm not talking about leave, leaving a job without something else lined up if you have two small kids. I think that's important to, to say because people might misunderstand that if the boss tells you, hey, you have to stay tonight because we have to finish the right. project and then you walk out, you probably are losing your job and it may be important to keep it at the moment. It, yeah, I don't think that you should put yourself in a position of being fired because also I find that it's very hard to figure out what you want when you're unemployed. I get so many people who come to me and they're like, okay, well now I have four months to figure this out, help me. But it's depressing to be fired. And it's it, even if you are not prone to depression or anxiety, it's really hard not to be in that space when you're unemployed. So I would never suggest to someone who doesn't have a trust fund to I put themselves in that because person. to be even a little bit happy, you need a financial foundation, some security. It's Maslow's pyramid, right. the basics. You need security. Right. You need food. You need shelter. And if that's not there, you can't be happy. And right. I love that you say that. Yeah. I think also one other thing to think about is if you are in a position though, like going back to the single mom with two kids and not wanting to get fired, so mm -hmm. they have to stay till seven o'clock or 10 o'clock or whatever. I think that one thing to be aware of is that if you do get another job, if you set boundaries at the beginning of that job, it becomes easier to have boundaries throughout the job. Like if you set a boundary of, I can't, cannot stay past seven because I have to ha like have time with my kids. That is a lot easier to do upfront in a non-confrontational way instead of in the middle of a project. And so I invite especially women when they start jobs to really recognize places where they are taking on more responsibility than they should. And they're allowing other people's priorities to like create hair on fire situations for them and really work on stepping back from the people pleasing of always saying yes. That, that is, is a good point. And that can be extremely hard when you're in that position. And I think sometimes you need a good coach to guide you around so you don't make premature right. wrong decisions and jeopardize your security. Right, yeah. But I think it's also important to realize that you're not necessarily jeopardizing your security by saying no. 
it's just usually how you are saying no mm. that is going to jeopardize. And also, if you are clear upfront in job interviews, what boundaries you have, like if you know that you cannot work nights, then it really helps to, if they still choose you. And I actually do have a fair number of single moms. This is something that I've helped coach, uh, especially moms through, is really setting that boundary upfront. Like you don't want to go out of the frying pan into the fire. Like if you already have a job that's having you work nights and you don't want to work nights anymore, you should be upfront about that in an interview. So they don't hire you if that's not a good match for them. That's a very good point. So while you're still having a job, right? If you're not happy, it's a good idea to go out, do interviews on other jobs, and then be assertive or tell them right up front what you need. Right. So it's clear to the employer and to you what you get. Right. And you can do it in a very, in a peaceful, compromising way. It's just, you also have to do it. You can be, there is a way of being both compromising and strong that I think a lot of times women have a hard time with because we're not really taught it. You know, we're taught to say yes, yes. Yes, sure, I, can I can do, do that. I can do everything. I'm superwoman. I can do everything. And then I think that leads, that does lead to burnout. There is just no way around. If you are doing everything for everyone, then you don't have time to do anything for yourself. Yeah. If you try to uh, give others a drink and your cup is empty, there's nothing to give. Right. You're so right. Now, what how can people that need a coach or want your book, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, um, well, the book is the Clarity Journal and it's on Amazon. And you can find me at BeccaRibbing.com and also BeccaRibbing at Twitter and Instagram. That's awesome. And I yeah. recommend you all do it. Hold it, hold the book up again oh. so everybody sees what they should be looking for <laughs> in case there are several Clarity Journals. This is the one you want. <laughs> There aren't several right now, the but you website never know. Underneath the video, so and in the podcast file, so you for sure can uh, get there. And I'm sure your book is mentioned on your website. Right, it is. Any golden nuggets to close the show? If not, I would say life is too short to stay stuck. However, you need to move forward, even if it takes you longer than you are hoping for, moving forward in and of itself is valuable, is affirming. And I think that so often we wait, like, oh, I will start that next week. I'll buy the journal, you know, at Christmas time, I will get a coach in three months. We have these reasons why we're not going to start now. And I guess my biggest nugget of advice would be to start today. Start today. I like that. And this concludes the episode. Thank you so much, Becca. And stay subscribed for the next episode. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Bye-bye. When you combine modern science, ancient wisdom, nature experience and love, magic happens. I'm Dr. Christine Sauer, physician, naturopath, coach, human. It feels like magic to my clients and their lives are transformed through the skills combination of natural and human sciences, ancient philosophies, and caring human-to-human -human interaction. 
Discover this kind of modern wizardry and let's prepare powerful healing potions together. Come and enter our wonderful world of wellness.